Acts chapter 3. I'm going to minister tonight with the help of the Holy Spirit on the topic, times of refreshing, times of refreshing. So Father God, as we come to your word tonight, Lord God, we just pray that your presence will be here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom, Father. And Lord God, we don't want to go through the usual. Father, we want something unusual, Lord. Not just the normal way of working, but a new way of working, Father. In Jesus' name. As RT ministered this morning, something new and something different, Lord. Something new and something different, Lord God. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we just make a decision tonight to step into that, Lord. To step into that which is new and that which is different. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 3, a familiar passage uh, for verses 1 to verses 10. And I'm going to read verses 19 and 20. Now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask of alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked of arms and fixing his eyes on him when John, uh, with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. I believe that God wants to do something new in this temple. Amen. God wants to do something new in this temple. And here's a man who's there day in, day out, just at the temple. He can't walk. He's begging. He needs some sort of materialism and some money, maybe some food, but he also needs a miracle. But he's there just going through the motions there day in, day out. We are here week in, week out. Doing church, 9, 11, 2.30, uh, right over the years we've had five services, even six services. We've been to in church faithfully. And sometimes we can just go through the motions, through the usual. And here was a usual day in this man. He was not expecting particularly anything to happen. Just maybe you get a few coins and a little bit of food. And that was it, going to the temple. The temple was supposed to be a place of prayer, a place of meeting with God. And in Jesus' day, they turned it into something else. And Jesus went in and made a whip and, t and tore out their money tables and got rid of them and said, this, is, this temple should be a house of prayer. So here, there's a man going through the motions. And earlier this year, I remember just going through a season of dreams. God gave me a season of dreams. And I was wondering why these dreams were happening to me. And I know in Joel chapter 2, God says, in the last days, old men will dream dreams. Now, I know there's a little gray on my beard. I haven't really owned that word, old, old men will dream dreams. But hey, if dreams are coming and God is speaking, I'll receive some and I'll try and work out what, what they mean. I remember these thoughts would come to me as I'd wake up out of my, my, my sleep on a morning. And this thought came to me, Christian, you need to find a new way of working. You need to find a new way of working. And I was thinking, well, where did that come from? A new way of working. So I wrote it down and I was thinking about it throughout the day. And then somebody called me on the phone. And as she was talking to me, she said, you know what? You need to find a new way of working. God is not doing the usual. He's doing something unusual. There's going to be a new way of working. Hallelujah. 
And I went back, that's funny, because I heard that this morning, that same phrase, there's going to be a new way of working. And here's this man in the temple, and he's just going through the motions. He's not standing up. He's, in fact, sick in the temple. And suddenly, he has an encounter with Peter and John, who are carrying something new from the Holy Spirit, something internally. And the story goes, he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I believe that's exactly what's going to happen in this revival. Amen. You have been dwelling in this temple, going through the motions. Suddenly you're going to receive this supernatural strength. There's going to be a new way of working. There's going to be a, a leap in your spirit. There's going to be something personally happening to you. Now, when I think of revival, I think of a friend of mine, and uh, none of you would know him. I've known this guy since I was about three years old. He lived opposite me in a tourist house in a small town called Spennymoor, where I lived in the northeast of England, which is just 10 miles away from Sunderland, and uh, where Colin had went there, where Ken Gott and uh, Paul Kane were speaking on this new move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this man was blind. His dad was blind and his mother had to be at home so they didn't have much money. And there was three of those boys, one who went on to be a professional footballer and the young girl who's now in Australia with her husband. And I met these guys at church when I recommitted my life at 15. And I remember my first experience of revival was in the youth meeting. As I went into the youth meeting in a house that was next door to the church, we just went, did youth stuff, some topical discussion, which was nice. And that was good. And then the guy, Duane, he, who was a friend of mine from young, whose dad is blind, he started studying men of God uh, from the past revivals like John Bunyan uh, and John Wesley uh, and Evan Roberts and other people. And he would often carry these books around, these old books, and he would be underlining them. And he said, oh, I've got a word from the Holy Spirit. I've got a word from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he would just read a sentence from the page that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. As he would speak, it seemed like the Holy Spirit would come upon him. In, in an unusual way, he'd start to weep. He would start to cry. I don't know, tonight, if you know when somebody's praying and maybe you're yawning, you're not really paying attention, and there's nothing, it doesn't seem like God's on them. And then suddenly somebody prays, and it's like God enters the room. Like the glory of God, the presence of God fills the room. And you think, wow, this person's got something. Something's happening here. It was exactly like that. And as a young person, I'd never really encountered that before. And, and this guy from a poor family, no one would know that his dad was blind. God started to use him in a powerful way. And I believe in this new move of God. Just like this crippled man, God is going to cause the young people to rise up in a new way. God is going to visit families. God is going to visit the young. And people that we've written off, people that we said, oh, these people won't be used by God. Oh, these people are not in a good situation. Well, God's, God's a perfect person in terms of taking someone who's small, insignificant, and using them in a very powerful way. I call it in my little book, a barn revival, a barn revival. God can cause a revival to happen out of a barn. So here, a usual day, going through the motions, nothing much happened, and suddenly there was a miracle taking place. 
I remember having a dream this year and I shared it at the Vision Week. And I believe it's significant because it woke me up. And this verse in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it says this, Repent therefore and be converted or return or turn from your sins uh, that they may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He says, repent therefore and be changed or turn that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, when I think of the word repentance, I think it's a very negative word, a very threatening word. Now, as, a, as an evangelist, I quite like the word because when you say for, to people to repent, what you're really saying, that's exactly what Jesus told them to do, to change, to turn around, to turn to God. But some people, they receive it as a, a negative word, like they condemn, I'm condemning you, you sinner. Yeah. Who are you to tell me I'm a sinner? And so they might receive it in that way. So I want to tell you tonight a story of a dream that I had. And as I was dreaming, this was, about, this was on October the 10th that this dream had happened to me. October the 10th, I was, I was sleeping and I was in this dream. And I wouldn't have thought anything about the dream, but I woke up in my dream. Now, I don't know how many dreams that you've had where you've woke, in your dream, woke up in your dream and you're still asleep. So it's quite significant. I woke up in my dream and I was still asleep. So I was thinking, I'm still asleep. I'm in a dream. And I was in KT, just in the balcony. Now, I don't know where any of those people were sitting, but I woke up in the balcony. And suddenly I felt fear. And I thought, my God, what's happening? Where am I? I'm in KT. I'm in the balcony. And suddenly all the lights were on, like you can see tonight. All the doors were open. They were all wide open. Doors open, lights on. And I walked down the stairs thinking, oh God, what if someone's coming and taking something? Uh, I've been asleep and I haven't been watching. I've been asleep and maybe something's happened. And in fear, I went down the stairs and the sound guys were in the foyer and they said that something's missing. We know that something's missing, but as they begin to search, they couldn't find what was missing. And then I asked the operations guys. They were saying, we know there's other things that are missing, but we haven't finished finding out if things are missing. And I took that dream to mean to me a wake-up call. <laughs> repentance, that word repentance is metanoia. It means a change of mind. It means it can be transformation. Or I'm going to say tonight, a wake-up call, because that was a day that something started to happen to me in my personal devotion to God. Right throughout the year, from June onwards, God's been visiting me in dreams, but on October the 10th, that just shook me. And I thought to myself, you know what? What is missing in that dream was my personal prayer life. And maybe you could extend that to say, maybe that could mean the prayer life of the church. But if you go on to mean that that night, I reckon it meant a watchman. When a watchman was on the walls of Jerusalem, he'd be waiting and guarding the city. And when something significant was about to happen, an army was about to approach Jerusalem, then he would warn the king or he'd warn the leaders and say, hey, something's happening. And he'd be there in, in terms of prayer, watching and praying and asking God to protect and guard the city. Now, if our watchmen are asleep, then any enemy could come in and invade our privacy. So something started to happen to me and I started to seek God and I started to pray. And I want to encourage you tonight that you need to, to come afresh to God. Come and draw afresh to God in a new way. Now, James Allardyne, the guy from Prayer Storm, this year I was at the Elam Conference. And now I know that at Elam Conference, I've just been going through the motions. 
it's, it's a good conference for what it is. And since Chris Cartwright took over, it's been really good. And uh, there was an older generation full of older speakers, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I tried my best with it. And this year, I mean, last year at the Elam Conference, I just said to myself, you know what, God, I'm going to just sit here, and I'm just going to seek you, and I'm going to receive something from you, and something's going to be different. And so what I tried to do is sit in the meetings at the end and just wait on the Lord for about five or ten minutes and say, God, you know what? You need to do something in me. Do something in me. Do something in me. And James Allardyne said this, the guy from Prayer Storm, he said, you know what? My main process, my main point is that I can preach in the greatest auditorium and I can preach to just a few people, but nothing is better than one-on-one time with the Lord. Nothing is better than one-on-one time with the Lord. And as he said that, I thought, you know, that's, that's, it. that's in me. That's my desire. I want to spend time with God. But you know what? When you have a small family with three kids and you don't get any sleep, suddenly you start going through the motions. You start to desire sleep more than you desire prayer. Uh, and and as, as things go on, it, you can find yourself in a bit of a bubble and just through the motions. And I remember when he said that, just hit me and I wrote it down and said, yes, Lord, that's my desire. See, repentance is about transformation and God wants to change us. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, in the 90s, we would hear sermons about do not conform to this world. Do not be a sinner. Do not go the way of the world. Follow God with all your heart. But you know what? To follow God with all your heart means you need to be awake. Amen. Something needs to happen on the inside of you. You need to receive a new heart, a change of mind and a change of heart. I want to put on the screen, if we can, that butterfly picture, because this was the one of the themes that I was praying into. And it came out of a dream that I had. And I want to explain it. You know what? As a Christmas day, I was thinking about the journey that I've been on in KT. Now, as, a, as an evangelist or, or somebody wanting to see some people saved, then, then I've been all about the events. Make the event bigger. Make the event brighter. Make, make it louder. Make it more creative. Do something like that. And living for the moment. But, you know, it's not just about the moments, amen. It's about the journey. And it's about the process. And so you see the caterpillar here. And you don't, I don't need to be a scientist to explain that tonight. The caterpillar pretty much is a caterpillar and he, and he walks. That's what he does. He walks and he climbs and whatever else he does, he's just at one level of walking. So let's keep it at a very basic level tonight. He's walking. And when you come to Christ, sometimes you're just walking. And you don't need to look at somebody else. Sometimes you're walking because it's a process. You've got to learn how to walk. My five and a half month year old Joel, he is standing up and I hold him. He's not walking yet. And as a father, I want him to walk. So I'm kind of like pushing him on the bed and I'm causing him to roll and say, come on, you're going to roll. You're going to walk soon. And so, but I know he's going to take time because it's a process. And I'll be wrong to say, hey, you need to get up and walk. You need to get up and preach. You need to get up and play football. That's not strictly true because... When I had Judah on the floor, I actually was kicking the ball off his legs like this, trying to force him to play football, and he was only about the same age. And so we, 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 we walk, but the me- this is called mesomorphosis, and then they go into the cocoon. Now, nobody wants to be in their place called the cocoon because it's dark, and we, I'm not going to explain that what goes on there because I've never been in a cocoon, naturally speaking. <laughs> but, you know, and no one wants to be in the darkness. No one wants to be in that waiting period where nothing seems to be happening. 
And God sometimes puts us in the transformation process in order to shift us and change us so that when we come out of that process, we are operating on a totally different level. Amen? And now, if you're a caterpillar, you can tell oh, I'm a caterpillar. I want to fly. I want to I be beautiful. I want to do something. And you're forcing yourself to do it. Well, it's not going to happen. Because there's a process that you need to go through. And God's going to change you, not overnight. He's going to change you step by step and moment by moment. He's going to change the deepness of your heart. And this year, I managed to go, last year, I keep talking this year. It was actually last year, over a period of six months. Going away and praying. Going away and seeking God. And allowing God to do something in my heart. Now, God set me free from some things because I was asking him to go deep down into my heart and start to crack open my heart and get deep down into those areas that need change. And I believe that is the cocoon process. When, you, when God's dealing with your heart, now you're not flying at the moment, you're not maybe doing the things that God has called you to do that you want to do. You, you're maybe not as successful as you want to be or the destiny moment that you want to be in. You're in that cocoon, you're in that darkness. And God brings us through those periods where we need to seek Him. And there's a scripture that says, search my heart, O God, and renew a strong spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And then you have the butterfly. Now I want to tell you this dream tonight. I was in a dream. Now, I kept having these dreams. And in this dream, I don't know if it's because I'm watching some um, TV that's all about running and about fighting, some of the Marvel films, if you're into that. And sometimes I get a chance to watch it at night. I don't know if I've been watching too much TV over the years, but in this dream, I was running. And I don't know if you've had any running dreams, but I was getting exhausted running. And as I was running, the enemy was behind me. Maybe it was a gang or somebody. But I was just acquaintly aware that, number one, I was fearful. (laughs) Number two, I was thinking, when I was young, I was the fastest man on the planet when somebody was chasing me. When the police were chasing me, I was even faster because I could just turn on the turbo and I would get away. And you know what? When you're running, you're thinking, if someone's chasing me, I'm just going to run. I'm going to run. And as I was running and running and running, I started to get tired. And I said, oh God, I, I, I'm, they're going to catch me. They're going to catch me. And I started getting proper stressed and anxious as you do in, that, in those few moments and think, oh, it's going to catch me, going to catch me. And then suddenly a thought came to my mind. Why are you running when you can fly? Why are you running when you can fly? And suddenly in that dream, I thought, yes, I've had dreams before where I've been flying. And I thought, why am I running when I can fly? And suddenly I just started to fly into the sky. And as I started to fly like the Iron Man and just started to, t- to take off, and I, I just thought, wow, I'm away. There's no way they can catch me because now I'm on a completely different level. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now that's what the butterfly does. The caterpillar can't speed up like the butterfly. He can't be as beautiful as the foot butterfly. But now he's in a totally different orbit and he's went to a totally different new level. And God started to speak to me that you can't deal with the devil in the natural You can only deal with the devil in the spiritual. And if you're weak at the moment, you're not able to deal with the devil or deal with the situations that you're going through, then you need to suddenly arise in the things of the Spirit. 
Because to deal with the things in the Spirit, you have to deal with them spiritually speaking. And God needs to quicken you and enable you to fly. And as I begin to fly in that dream, I begin to explore and I begin to travel and I begin to look over the city. And I believe that's what it means to be a watchman. It means to be awake. It means to be transformed. It means you no longer pray about you and your needs. Yes, you do because you're fellowshipping with God and God speaks, but now you're guarding the city. Your prayer life is completely changed. You're picking things up and you're saying, God, I want you to deal with these things. You become a guardian. You become awake. I believe that is what revival is about. Now, if you're into transformation tonight, I want to encourage you because these are some crazy books. Now, I'm sorry, RT, I don't have any RT's books up here tonight, but um, I could easily have done that. But these books, I picked them up in YWAM, uh, where I dropped off my kids at, at their preschool. And this is a book by Andrew Murray. Now, earlier last year, I was preaching on Philippians 2 and just trying to really deepen my relationship with God through Philippians 2. And why did Jesus go to the cross? How did he get to the place of obedience? Because I don't know about you, I find obedience really difficult. I find obedience really difficult. Now, if there's anybody else out there who finds obedience difficult, come and join my soul group at the end or something like that. We can all pray together. Uh, the rest of you, I know that you're totally obedient to God, so no worries about that. But here, I, I remember putting on Google and saying, you know what, I want to study about humility. And one of the only books on humility was Andrew Murray's book on the journey towards holiness. And as I got this book, it's like you read this book, one chapter, and you're just ready to put it down. You think, God, yeah, I'll get there in the end. Hallelujah. And then... Even worse than that, there's a, a life of obedience. Learn to trust his time, his place, and his will by Andrew Murray. I read the first chapter of this, and it was still very heavy. I thought, my God. I realized that the Christian life is a journey, and it's a process. Now, if I could suddenly just switch on the blinker obedience and switch on the blinker every day, humility, then I wouldn't need the process of transformation. I'm totally trusting God that God will transform our lives and transform our hearts and that we'll begin to go deeper with Him in the name of Jesus. Now I'm just going to read a quote from, from uh, How to Start a Revival by Charles Finney. So don't get too scared in this place tonight. It says, How to Start a Revival. Revival is renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. It is giving up one's will in deep humility. So that word tonight, repentance, is a process. And God wants to take us on that journey, a process. Now, I was listening to a gentleman talk about um, mental health problems in, in young men uh, and in the youth. And as he was talking, he mentioned this phrase, disengagement. Disengagement. And I know in church, you don't have to be disengaged just by looking on your mobile phone. That could be one of the things that you're disengaged by. It could be disengaged with another thought. I didn't like that worship song. And suddenly you start to think about the worship songs you like. Uh, you, you could be disengaged because you're too busy thinking about the stuff that you're going through and how life is so busy and so heavy that you're not able to worship God. Disengaged people. See, that's what the church is at the moment. But God wants to transform our hearts and our minds. He wants to transform our hearts and our minds. And he went on to talk about things like this. Our heart wants to do something. So our heart is passionate about God. If I ask you tonight, are you passionate about God? Do you love Jesus? You would say, yes, of course I love Jesus. But your mind might not love Jesus. 
Your mind is in disobedient to God. Your mind likes to sin. Your mind likes to think on other things. And it's your mind that is disengaged. So you could be worshiping God with all your heart and your mind could be thinking about what's on tonight at the cinema or what's, what you're going to do at the end of the service and go to the restaurant or, or the party that you're planning to have next week. So you could be worshiping God. And I had a classic illustration of this the other day. I was talking to Torian at night, and as we do, husband and wife, and trying to talk. And, and unfortunately, I wish it was more spiritual, but sometimes it's not that spiritual. Usually it's just let's pray and let's go to sleep because we're completely knackered. And, um, but this was more of a spiritual uh, conversation. I was a bit more quickened, and I started to explain to her, you know what, the difficulties, I was explaining this. I have this passion for God. I have this heart for God, but it's my mind. It's my mind, my heart and my mind need to be connected. So my heart wants to connect with God, but my mind is completely disengaged. So my mind is wandering off doing the things of the world and doing the things of sin, but my heart wants to serve God. And there's this battle going on. And what it needs to happen is my heart and my mind need to be connected, amen, in the things of God. That's what repentance is, having a change of mind, having my mind and my heart completely transformed. And you know what she said to me? She said, did you put the lamb in the oven? I said, did you put the lamb in the oven? I said, my God, my God, I've just been explaining to you about disengagement. And all you've got to say is exactly what you were thinking about, which was about the lamb. Now that illustrates tonight exactly what God wants to do. God wants to put our heart and our mind together. Amen. That's metanoia. A complete transformation of the mind and the heart in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now I'll finish tonight if the band can come back with this. I've got so much to share here. But I believe that God is giving us a burning bush moment. And there's this phrase. If you go on to the word turning, repent and be converted, it is actually the word epistrepho in the Greek. It actually means turning or returning. Now, we don't have enough time tonight to go into all the Bible scriptures in the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew word shub. Uh, and it's all about returning or turning to God. Uh, and it's got that connotation of repentance, turning to God or hitting the reset button. Going back to the factory settings, going back to the master's settings for your life and going back to God and reconnecting with God's blueprint for your life. And Moses was there. We know he wandered in the desert and wandered in the wilderness and there was a burning bush moment. And the Bible says this. It says, when he turned aside and he looked at the bush. He turned aside and looked at the bush and it says, when God saw that he turned aside. When God saw that he turned aside, he spoke to Moses, take your sandals off your feet for that which you're standing on is holy ground. And the rest is history. God had a conversation with him, sent them back into Egypt and brought the children of Israel out. God commissioned him in a new way. Now we know that Moses had his struggles, but in that moment, in that fire, there's a match being lit. We know from that word in November, as Colin shared. But will you turn aside? Will you turn to God in a new way? Will you look at things in a different way and a different perspective? Turn aside now and look at what God is doing. Turn aside now and look at what God is doing. I remember the first word that I had when I heard about the revival. I thought, you know, not again. Not, not again. 
You know, because, you know, when you've, say, when you've said something that is revival and it hasn't been revival, and you've been eating that and drinking that, and you know that it hasn't satisfied you, then it's the last thing that you want. But you know what? When God's about to bring something new, you can have, either have that attitude and say, well, you know what? We've done that again. You know, or you can say, well, no, God, we're going to erase all the old things. Because in Isaiah 43, it says, do not consider the former things. Do not consider the old things. For I will do a new thing, says the Lord, and it shall spring forth. So what he's saying there is simply, listen, just erase all the things that happened before. Erase all the things because God wants to do something in here and He wants to do something in here and He wants to completely transform the church in a new way and He wants to completely change you in an intimate and deep way.